1: Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
2: Quarterback scoring is changing, and a class of promising young passers will be entering the league next season. We're talking all that and more on Roto Viz Radio. What's
0: up, Roto Viz?
2: Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz, joined by Matthew Friedman of Fantasy Labs and the Action Network. Quick programming note here. I had some things come up early this week that uh, necessitated me pushing this week's episode to being recorded on Wednesday night. Fortunately, Matt was able to record with me on Wednesday night. You will likely be listening to this on Thursday morning. Uh, Also, going forward, likely starting next week, we may have touched upon this before, but we're probably going to be switching back to that format where we do two shorter shows each week. I'm not exactly sure of the days on those yet, but you will be made aware of that when we have a final word on that. What's going on, Matt?
1: uh not much just really enjoying listening to you
2: give the explanation of everything in the intro <laughs> all right well um I- i'm glad that you feel that way now you and i were talking about something and-, and before i bring this up i want to say that i at the end of the what i would consider like regular season when most people would have been listening to our fantasy content took a quick look at the uh reviews mainly positive positive. one review came in a three-star They were a little bothered by the fact that uh, over the summer we had taken some different points in time to just talk about things that were unfootball related. So this person didn't want to hear about your coffee consumption, um, other opinions we might have had on things. So I don't know if they're going to like this. But you and I, as we were getting set to record, started talking about television shows. And I asked you if you had seen It's Always Sunny or if you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which you said that you had not, but it was on your list.
1: Yeah, it's I feel like it's sacrilegious for me not to watch that because so many people I respect watch it and love it. Uh, and it's, you know, it's very gifable. or is it gif I think it's gif. I don't know. Where, where are you on that? Well, GIF I actually
2: so I actually listened to a podcast with the guy that didn't I want to say the guy that invented it or if it wasn't the guy that invented it, somebody that directly would have been like linked to him to know i forget but as as like before <laughs> that i heard story went nowhere yeah it went nowhere but before i ever heard anybody else say it in my mind i always pronounced it gif but i think that i discovered that my intuition was wrong and that and i think it actually is jiff
1: okay well whatever it is uh it's always sunny uh is highly gifable or jiffable um so you see that on Twitter all the time and, you know, like little bits of it that I've seen on like, you know, YouTube or whatever, like it always seems funny. Um, so it's, yeah, it's on the list of shows that I should
2: watch in the future. Yeah. So I, I actually slates in at three for me. It's my, it's, it's, it's shot up the rankings now that I've started aggressively trying to make my way through the entire series. Always liked it. Um, And it's one of those shows. It's not like you have to watch it consecutively but i'm realizing that if you do there's a lot of things that are then just made funnier so it's creeped into third place probably behind seinfeld at one then curb your enthusiasm at two of comedy for me
1: what was um what was number three and number four before this jumped over
2: them and got the number three spot i think what probably would have been number three for me before and i hadn't really thought about it probably would have been parks and rec at number three Mm-hmm. Yeah. Parks and Rec. Love that one. Uh, have you seen Shit's Creek? Oh yes, I have, but not the whole thing. So, um, my wife actually just made her way through it. Um, so I was watching pieces here and there, but since I've started back up in grad school, like I haven't been, right. I haven't had as much yes. time and she was enjoying it enough that like, I was like, you know what, like just go ahead and watch it. Cause I don't want you to sit around, like just waiting to watch stuff with me while I'm up till two in the morning, every night studying. So um yeah
1: shit's creek for me uh, i mean it's a recent one so maybe there's some recency bias kind of built into it yep. but i think that one uh is definitely in my top five uh if not
2: if not top three and i think it, i think it is probably top three for me i've seen a lot of people crapping on it lately on twitter mm, and yeah, i think I it know. did I mean, start I, off I pretty imagine... slowly but go ahead yeah
1: I can imagine it's not for everyone. And yeah, I think people have said that um, it starts slowly. I don't know. I thought it was funny right away. Um, But uh, of course, it's been well established. I do not have a very
2: sophisticated sense of humor. Well, I would push back on that. I would say some of what makes that show funny at different points in time is the language choices, especially that they have more use, which are right, which like, yeah, so, you know, there's definitely something to it. Um, I will give you my quick little pitch on why I think it's always sunny is so funny, at least to me. And, th- and then we'll get into the football here. But what I like about it, it has that same type of spirit as Seinfeld, where there does not need to be any morals. They can be completely deplorable people, like the worst human beings you can possibly imagine. And it's completely unapologetic. Well, at the same time, I do think it makes some pretty interesting points about society and society at large and it's also one of those shows that has very stupid funny type of moments and you might want to paint paint it with this broad brush of just being a stupid comedy but there's actually a lot of like pretty intelligent thought behind it and the characters uh i, I think are pretty well developed within the comedy so i really enjoy it yeah i mean that uh, that sounds good all right excellent you want to talk about quarterbacks matt um, do i want to uh yeah i mean sure yeah yeah Let's okay do it. all right so Um, I am now going to talk about some research that I pulled together while I was working on a piece post the regular season here that centered on quarterbacks. And you and listeners might remember that probably towards like week 12, week 13 timeframe, I raised this question of, do we need to start thinking about drafting quarterbacks differently? Because we saw a lot of these young passers like Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, obviously Patrick Mahomes, to some extent, Lamar Jackson, we saw these young passers really stepping up into this stratosphere with points where they were making a significant difference for teams that had them and they were separating themselves from the rest of passers. So I actually went back and did some research on this. So I'm going to start listing off some facts, Matt, and then just feel free to interject if you think that there's anything that you want to add. So, okay. Quarterback scoring, as we all know, it exploded in 2020. The top 12 players at the position averaged 26.2 points per game. That was the highest average of this century. And that was 2.2 points higher than the position's previous record of 24.0 points, which came in 2018. So to say that again, in the 20 seasons prior, um, quarterback ones averaged only 21.1 points, per game whereas this year they averaged 26.2 which is nuts
1: yeah i mean and so i guess that means in a forward-looking manner if you are expecting quarterback scoring uh maybe even to go a little bit higher but even if it doesn't to stay roughly the same next year um I think that means that quarterbacks should probably be drafted a little bit higher, which uh, feels kind of wrong to say that. Um, but I mean, I think it's fine. Like, I think you, the idea of like the the late round quarterback kind of philosophy or perspective is that you are still deprioritizing a position that deserves to be deprioritized. Um, but, uh, and maybe you can still like continue to, to take the guys who are on the lower end of the spectrum within that top 12 range, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think a big adjustment for quarterbacks should probably
2: be made moving forward. Right. And a pushback to this idea could be, well, of course, quarterbacks scored a lot last year because it was the highest scoring season that we've seen in league history, but we have seen points trending upward since 2000. Um, you know, there's been some fluctuations, but more or less points are going up. I think the other thing that we need to talk about, too, and I agree with you um, to a very large extent with everything that you just said, is that the top 12 quarterbacks, according to fantasy points per game this year, contributed an average of an extra 4.4 rushing points to their production on a weekly basis. So as rushers, they were getting 4.4 points per game in addition to their passing volume. Now, that also was the highest total the last 21 seasons. But the crazy thing, Matt, too, is they also averaged 21.7 passing points per game, which was the highest total of the last 21 seasons as well. So going back to 2000. So not only are they scoring more points as rushers, they're scoring more points as passers. And to me, that's a key fact, because I feel like it's easy to say to yourself, okay, well, these guys are really good rushers, but... Maybe that's not changing things that much, but it is because if you graph out the average points per game by the top 12 players at each position, and you look at this graph, you see running backs falling from 2000 to now with actually starting to come back a little bit, I should say, wide receivers kind of hold tight end popped up a little bit, but really what you take away if you plot that out is you see that relative to other positions, the quarterback position has gone up. So there's a lot of ways that you can slice and dice at this, but quarterbacks are raising their value relative to other positions. And then there's a couple more things I want to point out, but I'll let you kind of enter in some of your thoughts now.
1: I think one uh, one thing that factors into this is that in previous years, we've probably had like a, a tier of, you know, like two to three guys at the top. And then the guys in that, you know, quarterback four to quarterback 10 range are all kind of roughly the same. And this year, I think we had this middle tier of guys who were much closer to the top tier. Um, And I think that in part is what is really juicing the quarterback scoring within the top 12. Uh, You know, some of it, is certainly kind of like league wide trends. But I think even those trends might kind of be fueled by the, uh, the improvement in quarterback play that we've seen at that top tier, which has expanded. So, you know, like 2018, it was Patrick Mahomes 2019. It was Lamar Jackson. You know, this year I feel like we've had a really good just overall performance from those quarterbacks at the top where Aaron Rodgers has re-emerged, you know, Tom Brady in a new situation with great receivers around him. He re-emerged at this year. And then of course you had Josh Allen taking a big step forward. Uh, Deshaun Watson having really the, I'd say like the best year of his career, even without Deandre Hopkins, you know, like you just saw outstanding quarterback play near the top. And I think those guys who at the end of the season finished, you know, numbers like, 3 through 6 those guys were the ones who really separated this season from the ones we've previously seen
2: yeah and it's important to note as well that you named a lot of young players there so 7 of the top 12 passers this year are 27 years old or younger and a lot are significantly younger than 27 so There's reason to believe that when you look at the leaderboard of quarterback fantasy scoring for years to come, it's probably going to consist of these guys. Uh, Another interesting way to look at things, Tom Brady finished as the quarterback 11. He averaged 23.4 points per game with 2.4 passing touchdowns and 281 yards per game. That accounted for 22.2 of his points per game, but he wasn't able to head, to finish ahead of players like Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. Murray averaged only 18.3 passing points and Jackson just 15, but the rushing difference that we saw from them really made up that delta. And then even Aaron Rodgers, um, who had the second highest scoring year of his career, finished behind four of the other passers, and it happened because Rodgers himself averaged only 1.3 uh, passing points or sorry, the players ahead of him only averaged 1.3 passing points per game less than him, but 3.9 more rushing points per game. So I think something that people might say to themselves is that, okay, well, big deal. Like, we've known that these Konami code quarterbacks are valuable. We know that we should be looking at quarterbacks that are rushing. Like, what are you telling me? Like, I know I need to go and find these players. But what I am saying is that as we look forward, it's possible you have five or six of these guys and they have separated themselves from the pack. And this goes a lot into what you were talking about, Matt. Last year, 10.7 points per game separated the QB1 and the QB12. And more importantly, the difference in points per game between the QB1 and the QB6, when you compare that to the QB13 to QB18, that difference was 7.9 points. In 2012, it was just 5.7. Between 2013 and 2019, it was a difference of just four points per game. So, in addition to quarterbacks changing their value relative to other positions, the top quarterbacks are changing their their value as opposed to later round options um, in ways that we haven't seen before. And while I think that late round quarterback still applies, I think that we're in a bit of a different environment now that I feel is going to carry forward than we were when JJ really popularized it and people started to use it. So I think that we're seeing an evolution that we probably need to adapt to. How do we adapt to it? I am not saying that you go out and in round one or round 2 you go and draft Patrick Mahomes or whoever you think the QB1 is. But when you get to round six, running backs that you're interested in are gone. There's no real compelling tight ends or wide receivers or you're feeling pretty good about your team and there's not a single player that you have to go after because you love them or you have a void that you need to fill. Maybe you start thinking about adding one of those quarterbacks then.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I can definitely see that. I'm probably still going to wait. You know, I'm probably still just going to be that donkey that thinks like, okay, um, there's there's a Cam Newton-esque type of player <laughs> out there who is uh, somehow going to outperform his ADP significantly and help me win a championship. But uh, I can certainly see the alert. Like, you know, Mahomes, Murray, Allen, Watson, Jackson, and Dak. You know, assuming Dak comes back healthy. You know, that's a very solid top six. But, you know, outside of those guys, you're still going to have Russell Wilson, um, you know, who I think is a, a great like consolation yep. to all of those other guys. You still have Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you still have Justin Herbert who could take a big step forward in his second season. Um, you know, you still have Ryan Tannehill who could be super efficient. You still have Matt Ryan who might have like some of the, with Arthur Smith coming over to Atlanta might have some of the, uh, like Uber efficiency, that uh we saw in tennessee's offense he might have some of that now in atlanta and he still has great wide receivers you know you could see you know potentially i don't know if i want to get so ahead of myself but like you could see taysom hill uh and we saw what he was able to do as a runner taysom hill as a late round quarterback that could be really intriguing
2: so i don't know maybe Daniel Hurst, Jones we can takes probably, a step
1: forward i
2: was, what just, was, gonna, that? I was just gonna say too you can probably toss uh Jalen Hurts into this group too, with players yeah, like Jason Hill. Yeah,
1: maybe, yeah, maybe Jalen Hurts if, you know, hopefully he beats out Carson Wentz. Who, who knows how that plays out? But yep. you know, there are guys outside of the top six that I look
2: at and I'm like, okay, you know what? I would just still
1: rather wait and take
2: those guys later. Okay. That's fair. And I don't think that um based upon what I said, that I was saying that in terms of like, this is what you have to do. Um, yeah. but I definitely yeah. think that the environment has changed enough that it does become a conversation. So
1: I I, I totally agree. Like, I think yep. it we are now at that point where you can go two ways before. Like, I just thought like, if you do not go late round quarterback, you are probably a fool, but, I don't, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think it is reasonable not to take Patrick Mahomes, but
2: to take like Dak Prescott, you know, three or four rounds later. I think that's totally reasonable. Right. And I mean, a large part of why this is something, the idea of going for a quarterback, what you would say early now, why this is, I think like recapitulated is because in the confines of where we are now, because late round quarterback has become so popular, a drafter taking a quarterback early really can be round five, around six. And we're not talking around one, two and three, like people would have been doing back when, you know, you and I probably first started playing fantasy. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So, um, you talked about the coaching change for Atlanta. I do want to talk about, um, coaching changes, but we will probably do that a little bit later next week. I wanted to start talking about prospects. Um, And to finish off today's episode, I want to talk about the 2021 quarterback class, but it is likely a good time for me to remind everybody out there. Before history is written,
1: it's
2: It's played.
1: Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins
2: Saturday. That listens to the show. If you use the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout on a one-year subscription, you will get 10% off of that subscription. Again, by using the code RVRADIO2021. All kinds of coverage is going to be coming out on all of these prospects. We have the prospect box score scout that will give you player comps you can look at. We're going to have a new version of the combine explorer I've been looking at that will let you see those athletic measurables, all kinds of coverage. We have other tools, you know, in addition to everything I just said, that's going to get you all set and ready for this incoming draft class and the season next year in the best ball season has already started. Mike Beers is updating all of the sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way
1: rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of
2: dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Tools, we have all kinds of stuff for you there. All right, Matt, let's talk about the 2021 quarterback class. Before we go into specific players, I have seen a lot of mock drafts that are including an abundance of quarterbacks in round one. What's your sense in comparison to the maybe last five classes that we've seen of where this class ranks? Is it one of the better classes?
1: It's, uh, it's a weird class in part because of COVID stuff. Yep. Um, so, you know, for instance, Trey Lance... Uh, who is probably going to go, I think in the top 16, you know, like the, the first half of the first round, he's played only one season. He redshirted and then he had an awesome season in 2019. And then he didn't play this past year or he played, you know, like one game, which was basically an exhibition. Um, And so you have, you know, a situation with him, you have Zach Wilson, who's, you know, coming from uh, BYU. So, you know, doesn't play the the toughest schedule. Um, so it, it's a kind of weirder class. And then you have like someone like Mac Jones coming from Alabama who, you know, won a national championship. has statistically looked fantastic, but has really only like one season and like a couple of games on top of that. And it's like, that's not, you know, like that's not really much of a sample. So there are certainly guys who are strong, you know, Trevor Lawrence, A five-star recruit and then you know we saw what he did as a freshman he's looked great in college Justin Fields who was right up there with Lawrence uh as a recruit in their class coming in and he has that you know like dual threat ability so there are certainly guys to like in this class um but there are also guys who carry some significant questions just because of like the sample or where they played or things like that but um I think it's a pretty strong class overall. Like I do think we will probably get four quarterbacks going in the top 16. I'm doubtful we get five quarterbacks in round one. Like five is just a a really high number. Um, But I I can maybe see it happening if uh, Mac Jones somehow sneaks into the end of the first round.
2: Yeah. So to me, this class overall is definitely hard to get a grasp on i haven't decided just how good i think it is i don't think it's the greatest quarterback class of all time but i think it's very solid um as you alluded to given the implications of covid it's really hard to draw um any like concrete conclusions on these guys but let's um just kind of go through them now one by one i'll read off some stats just some key notes on these players um and we'll just work our way through it. So Trevor Lawrence, 6'6", 220, as everybody knows, went to Clemson, came in as a freshman, played 15 games, 65% completion percentage, 3,280 yards passing, threw for 30 touchdowns, only four interceptions. Uh, That season ran for just one rushing touchdown, 177 yards. As a sophomore, continues to play at a super high level, 36 touchdowns. Over 3,600 passing yards, did throw eight picks um, on basically like 400 passes, which is what he'd done the year before, but did show he has some rushing ability, ran for 563 yards, nine rushing touchdowns. In 2020, in just 10 games, ran for eight rushing touchdowns, 203 rushing yards, passed four, and again, in 10 games, 3,153 yards, 24 touchdowns, just five picks. Other things you might look at, an adjusted completion percentage of around 77%, which is very competitive, only ranked around 39, and this is based upon uh, PFF stats in deep percentage, so the number or percentage of times that he's throwing passes more than 20 yards now. To me, that's a tough metric to make sense of because some of this depends on the offense that you're in, how many chances you need to take. Um, and when you're playing in an offense like Clemson, that can kind of cloud things. And these were 2020 numbers under pressure. He's been middle of the road, but I think by and large, Matt, a lot of people view Lawrence as one of the better prospects that they've seen in a long time because of just how successful he was early on and how well he played in very big games.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm yet to see a reputable mock draft that doesn't have him number one, you know, like he's, he's just locked in as the number one pick. Um, You know, it's hard to know what we should make of that offense in Jacksonville. Um, You know, with him coming in with a new coaching staff, um, how is he going to connect with his receivers there? Uh, Are they going to bring in some new receivers? Like there are just, there are lots of questions uh, with Jacksonville. Uh, And so I think it's, it's a hard landing spot, but him, on his own as a recruit Um, and then as a college player and now as a prospect, uh, he doesn't really have any holes, you know, like I don't think there's anything that you can look at and say like, I wish he were different. Like maybe the one thing is like, Oh, I wish he were a better runner, but you know, like he's still like the greatest. uh, Well, I don't want to say like the greatest pocket, like college pocket passer of all time, but like he's, he's up there, you know, like he was the number one pocket passer as a recruit in his class, and he did absolutely nothing in college to make you think that his status as that, as a recruit, was unwarranted. Um, so I, I think he certainly deserves to be the number one pick, and um, it's it's hard to, to say um, that things aren't looking up for him as an NFL player.
2: Yeah, you know, only 21... 21- Um, at 19.2 at the end of his freshman season, had put up those crazy numbers. So there is certainly a lot to like about Lawrence. Um, We'll have to see. You know, the the one thing, too, um, he does have some receivers there, right, in Jacksonville. I mean, I think Chark is pretty good. I think Chenault's pretty good. Um, So we'll see what happens. Um, Let's talk about Justin Fields. Now, Fields... If you go back to the beginning of the college football season, I had seen a lot of mocks that were projecting him to go as the second quarterback in the draft. Not all the mocks are reflecting that now. In fact, in some, I've seen him fall back behind Wilson and Lance. So we don't know exactly where he's going to go. He's 6'3", 223. If I didn't mention, played at Ohio State, but actually transferred to Ohio State via Georgia, uh, where he played... in limited action in 11 games as a freshman went 27 for 39 did throw four touchdown passes zero picks comes into ohio state in his sophomore season um complete 67 percent of passes 3,273 yards 41 touchdowns to just three picks as a rusher rushes for 10 touchdowns 484 yards Follows things up in an eight-game season in 2020. Passes for 2,100 yards. Completion percentage of 70%. 22 passing touchdowns to six interceptions. uh, And then as a rusher, five rushing touchdowns, 383 yards. His um, I should probably also mention um, his passing AYA was 10.74. I did not say Lawrence's. His was 9.77. I actually do like to look at AYA. Um, isn't always a clear indicator of what a player might be able to do, um, but I do like it. And Fields' adjusted completion percentage, uh, 81%. Only Mac Jones, who we'll talk about in a little bit, was better. Um, you know, like Lawrence. Didn't go down uh, didn't throw deep all the time. Um, I I do think he could do it and then under pressure uh, Completed 62% of passes which ranked around 22 in the nation
1: Yeah, fields is um, I don't know. I mean, I think he might be the best fantasy option Out -hmm. of the guys that we're going to talk about because he does have that dual threat ability He was you know, he was right up there with Lawrence as a recruit when they were entering college, Lawrence was the number one packet, uh, pocket passer fields was the number one dual threat quarterback. And uh, you know, like Lawrence fields had a pretty good college career. You know uh, I don't think there was anything that he did once he became the starter last year and this year, that would make you think that um, there's something that's hugely deficient in his game. He's not the pocket passer that Trevor Lawrence is. That's just something that either he's going to have to learn or, uh, you know, offensive coordinators are just going to have to plan around that. Um, and he doesn't, you know, for a guy who's more of a runner, he doesn't have quite the improvisational like wizardry that you might want. Um like, you know, in terms of like being able to scramble out of the pocket and then throw it deep or something like that. That's still not something that's like a strength of his, but when he escapes the pocket and takes off, like he's, he's very good. Like you could clearly see how he becomes, you know, like a a Konami code top 10 type of fantasy quarterback almost right away just because of his running ability. So um, wherever he goes, he's someone that I'm definitely going to be looking at.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh, a really good point, um, especially early on in their careers, too. If you're looking for the guy that might be able to make the most immediate fantasy impact, it might be Fields. Zach Wilson, um, out of BYU, 6-3, 6'3, 10 Played in nine games as a freshman um, through 182 passes, completed 66%, 1,578 passing yards, just 12 passing touchdowns to three interceptions. In his sophomore season, um, through 319 passes, completed 62%, 2,381 passing yards, just 11 passing touchdowns, to 9 passing interceptions, really low AYA that year of 6.88. Then in 2020, complete 73% of passes through 333 times, 3,651 yards, 32 touchdowns, to 3 interceptions. AYA really jumps up to 12.48. Admittedly, I do not know much about the schemes they were running at BYU and if there was a big shift between 19 and 20. At any rate, though, you know, takes a very nice progression forward there, there to end his career. Unlike Fields and Lawrence, the opening resume not quite as strong.
1: Yeah, I mean, he didn't... Yeah, I mean, certainly in 2019, you could look at the numbers and be like, why Why is anyone interested in this guy? Um, but yeah, he did really come on in 2020. Um, I think some of that is a function of of competition, you know, like by and large, BYU wasn't really playing all that many strong opponents. And my, my feeling, maybe I'm wrong about this, but my feeling is that in this, you know, like COVID impacted season, it's probably the teams that are a little bit lower down the board uh, that like don't have like the depth and also just kind of don't have like, I'd say like the strong kind of like institutional memory of like what happens year to year so that like players come in and they just kind of know what it is that they're doing. Like I think those teams lower down the board would tend to be impacted a little bit more by COVID, especially on defense. And so, you know, when you have BYU playing, literally not one team that is in a major conference. Um, I don't know. Like it just, it means that not that like his performance is suspect at all. It's just that it's not coming, you know, nearly uh, against the same level of competition. And so I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical, especially considering
2: that he did it only one year. Right. And the other thing, too, that you have to throw in there, and and it's always a dangerous thing to try to ding players too much for where they're playing. But in my opinion, when you compare him to players like Fields and Lawrence and Mac Jones, who we've seen in these national spotlight games, in these games where everything is on the line, that's something that you can't point to with Wilson as just another check you can put in a box. So, I don't know. I'm not as pumped about him as other people are. Granted, I don't know how to watch a quarterback play in his college film and project that and how it would translate to the NFL. Uh, So we will have to see where he goes. I think for some of these quarterbacks, too, like we always talk about, it's going to be somewhat situation dependent. I know some people think that Wilson's going to end up replacing Sam Darnold with the Jets. Who knows what the Jets are going to look like as we move forward. Um, But I certainly think that we could see one of these guys end up in a more favorable situation than Lawrence and Wilson if they are the first two off the board. That brings us to, oh, I should probably mention on um, Wilson, he did have an 81 percent adjusted completion percentage which was really really good one of the best players in the country at that deep percentage rank of 30 uh rank 29 under pressure all of the guys we're talking about today were pretty similar in all of the measures that we're talking about um but that was kind of the roundup on him trey lance who we've mentioned one sorry, yep, go one, ahead.
1: one thing to mention mention on wilson um i think it I mean, who who knows uh, with all of these quarterbacks after uh, Trevor Lawrence, but I think what gives Wilson the edge uh, over fields, um, at least from, you know, like this sort of like tape grinder perspective. And this is not um, like my opinion. This mm-hmm. is just sort of what I've read. Um, people who actually <laughs> like look at quarterback play and like think they can break the game down. They think that Wilson has the edge over fields in terms of his arm strength his passing ability in general, and then his pocket presence and also his ability to, um, to improvise, like to, to make plays outside of the pocket yep. outside of structure. Uh, and so that is why I think Wilson will probably go ahead of fields. But again, I think fields is probably
2: likelier to be the better fantasy quarterback because of his running ability. Certainly fair. Uh, Trey Lance, 63 224 So he went to North Dakota state, uh, which cloudies things a bit. And as Matt said, he really only played one season. That twenty nineteen season, though, completed sixty-seven percent of passes on two hundred and eighty-seven attempts, had two thousand seven hundred and eighty-six yards through twenty-eight touchdowns to zero interceptions. That is something I think people are really gonna focus on. And I would say that even if you're playing at a lower level of competition. Throwing twenty eight touchdown passes to zero interceptions is pretty good.
1: Yeah, I, I mean the the big thing is obviously the passing is great. The rushing is what yes. really gets me excited with him.
2: Yes, so one hundred sixty nine attempts in twenty nineteen went for one thousand one hundred yards. That six and a half yards a carry with fourteen touchdowns again. You can discount this somewhat based upon the level of competition, but putting up that many yards as a quarterback and that many touchdowns, you have to be doing something right and have some level of skill to achieve that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And he's going to be just 21 years old as a rookie, which, uh, is pretty exciting. And he is coming from the same school, the same system that produced Carson Wentz for like, whatever that is worth, like, regardless of whatever you think about Wentz, um, he has been productive in the NFL and like, it's arguable that if not for an ACL injury, um, he would still be, you know, like one of the better quarterbacks in the league. So, you know, I don't think it's disqualifying that Lance is coming from North Dakota State. Um, You know, I think if he's drafted uh, at the top half of the first round and he has the production he does and he's going to be only 21 years old as a rookie and he has that running ability. um, Yeah, I mean, I think you treat him basically like you treat
2: any other quarterback selected in that range. And if anybody tries to use Carson Wentz in an argument that is counter Trey Lance being able to be, a legitimate nfl prospect i think that is pretty erroneous because if anything it's it, it should demonstrate that players can come from a school like north dakota state that do have nfl skills and nfl ability and be a quarterback that many believe at any point in time could lead a franchise so to me it's actually uh, something that you can view as a positive positive. Uh, and you know there is precedent for a player like Trey Lance emerging, making his way to the NFL and being productive. That brings us to Mac yeah. Jones, who led Alabama to a national championship, six two and a half, 217 So actually, the smallest of the passers we're talking about this evening, uh, as a twenty-year-old freshman. Only through 13 attempts, um, but plays 11 games for Alabama in 2019, 141 attempts, complete 70%, 69 to be exact, 1,500 yards, 14 passing touchdowns to three interceptions. But the season that everyone is going to look at, 13 games in 2020, 402 attempts, went for 4,500 yards, 77% completion percentage. 41 passing touchdowns to four interceptions, a career AYA of 12.47. Does not do a whole lot as a rusher. I know that some people are going to say that Jones played at Alabama and that raises his production. Sure. Um, However, I'm not sure that uh, playing at Alabama is that much different than playing at Clemson or Florida. Uh, Jones also has the highest adjusted completion percentage in the class, 84%. Didn't have to go deep all that often, so ranks 42 in the nation, 70% under pressure, which was really good. I wonder, Matt, should Mac Jones be getting more talk? Because to me, some of these stats are pretty insane. I think he profiles extremely well. And I'm going to say that if he he did this in a school other than Alabama and people weren't discrediting it just because of all the NFL receivers he played with, they might be more inclined to view him as a player that could challenge Lawrence or Fields or any of these guys to be the top pick in the class. Now, I do think it's fair if maybe you want to have some questions because not every quarterback is throwing to the ridiculous arsenal of receivers that he had, but I'm actually pretty impressed with Jones.
1: Yeah. The numbers are good. Um, a question would be like, what did you think of AJ McCarron like back in the day coming
2: out of college? Okay. I guess the difference is I honestly thought that AJ McCarron was kind of like trash coming out of, you know, like for, for the NFL, he did, he never looked to me like an NFL passer. Um, I felt the way that things were being conducted back then. And this is going back a long time and be, I did not know as much about football then as I do now. But my take at the time was that a lot of it was really just the system, and I didn't see him doing many things that looked that different. Um, In my still somewhat uneducated brain, when I do see the things that Jones is doing and the way Alabama is running things now, it's a lot easier for me to get my head around the fact that uh, he might be able to translate this to the NFL.
1: Okay. Um, I think that's fair. I still tend to... I don't know. I still kind of imagine that Mac Jones is basically AJ McCarron and that might be unfair to Mac Jones. Um, But uh, you know, like Mac Jones did have better receivers than McCarron had. Um, The one thing he has going for him is that he was more efficient uh, as a passer. So McCarron's best season was 10.8 adjusted yards per attempt Um, whereas, you know, Mac Jones, you know, blows that away this year with 12.8. Um, but I don't know if there's really a massive difference between Jones and McCarron. Um, they're both net negatives as runners. Um, what McCarron had going for him is that he had like three years, three years as a starter. Um, you know, Mac Jones is basically like 1.3 years as a starter, um, like McCarron, he doesn't really have a strong arm. Um, it's not like he was a a highly recruited guy. I mean, he was highly recruited enough to go to Alabama, which is like that's very good. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's not like he was a a four or five star recruit. I believe he was a, a three-star recruit. And um, I mean, he doesn't have like great size, doesn't have good arm strength. It's just like what is like what is there about him as a player that really distinguishes him? And it's probably that he's smart and that he has these great numbers, but if the numbers you can, I don't want to say excuse away, but you can explain by not just the receivers around him, but like all of the other NFL talent around him, like all of the the offensive linemen, like the running backs, just everybody on that team is a future NFL player. Um, If you put him in that context, it explains some of the production. And then you're just left with this guy who has, oh, what was it like? 14, no, 17, 17 career starts in college, no rushing ability and a mediocre arm. Okay. If he gets drafted yep. in the first round. Then, then you have to respect it. But I just, I kind of look at what we see right now and I don't see why
2: he should be drafted in the first round. Okay. Um, I think you make a lot of good points there. You do. And it does make me question my level of excitement for Jones um, to some extent. I guess one thing that would be a curious question, though, is why you wouldn't have held some of this against uh, Tua or Jalen Hurts, for example. Jalen Hurts, although obviously it's a different thing because you could see what he could do as a rusher. Um, But let's just kind of take a second and, and compare – why you would have been so much more interested in Tua. Is it because we did see him at an earlier age come in and didn't really take things over? He also might have some better physical attributes.
1: Yeah, you just you just named it. Okay. Right. So uh, so Tua, think of it this way. They they entered at pretty much the same time. Uh, you know, Mac Jones was a quarterback for Alabama in 2018. You know, Tua is is the guy that year. Uh, and, you know, Tua even came in in 2017, right? Like in the national championship game yep. in 2017. So like Tua came in right away um, and was also a higher recruited quarterback uh, and then had to beat out Jalen Hurts for the number one job. I just think it's a, and he's a better runner. So you, you put all of that together and yeah, Tua has the same impact there of, all of the other NFL players so you kind of have to question the production a little bit but um you know Tua just he was a better player entering college and he he you know took over right
2: away. I think that's the main thing that he has going for him over Mac Jones. Okay, I that's that's certainly fair. Um I will leave us with the fact that I still I think I might end up being a bit higher on Jones than other people will. Um I recently completed my rankings for the DCC Rookie Guide. Volume 1 will be coming out soon, so make sure you go check that out. Um, and I did have him, I want to say, back behind all of the players that we've mentioned. It might be hard for me to actually make him jump um, up over those guys, but he he possibly could, but you, you did kind of put some... Uh, cold water there on the fire that I had going for him. Uh, We are going to close with Kyle Trask, another SEC quarterback. 6'5", 239, played his college ball at Florida. Uh, Negligible work as a freshman in 2019. Comes in 354 passing attempts, 2,941 yards, 25 touchdowns to 7 interceptions, uh, 8.83 adjusted yards per attempt. As a Junior uh, closes off at 22.8 in just 12 games through 437 times 4283 yards, 69 percent completion percentage, 43 touchdowns to eight picks, 10.95 adjusted yards per attempt. Did not do a whole lot in terms of rushes um, as or excuse me or did not do a whole lot in terms of rushing yards as a rusher, uh, just 50 yards. On 64 attempts, uh, three touchdowns in his 2020 season. Solid adjusted completion percentage at 76, um, ranked 35 in a, you know deep ball percentage, largely consistent with the backs we've talked about. Ranked uh, 11th in um, completion percentage when under pressure with 67% completion rate. That is a very solid 2020 season. Decent campaign as a sophomore. Again, biggest player in the class. I think that it's easy to see why some people might want to get behind Trask.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's actually a, uh, let me make sure I'm just right on this. I believe he's a redshirt senior. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. you know, a little bit older. Uh, I think he'll be 23 or 24 uh, next year as a rookie. But like, he's got, I don't know, like, I'm just not going to be too enthusiastic about him because yep. he's probably not going to be drafted even in round 2. Like maybe round 3 or round 4. So like at that point I'm just, you know, I'm kind of off of him. Guys in that range just tend not to work out, but maybe he will. Um he certainly has the strong arm and his production Uh, his passing production last year was fantastic. Like there's like, there's no way of trying to deny it. Like no one should try to deny it. He was great as a passer in 2020, but he has zero rushing ability. Like he's a negative as a runner. And I just tend to stay away from those guys. So like add the lack of rushing ability
2: next to his likely lack of draft capital. And I'm just, you know, it's like, what's the point? So I probably should have had us kind of set the stage for it because I think that at the quarterback position, they're kind of hard to disentangle. But the opinions that you've been giving on players, what percentage percentage of that opinion is through the lens of what this player might be able to do as an NFL passer? And what percentage of it is through the lens of what can this player do as a fantasy player? Because you're talking a lot about rushing production. So clearly if we're thinking about things from a purely fantasy lens, we're going to be a lot more excited about those guys with the rushing production.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking primarily from a fantasy lens, but I mean in, in the current NFL, it is, I think really hard for a rookie quarterback to come in or even like a, a second year guy, whoever it is for someone to come in. Um, and be an above average quarterback if he doesn't have at least like a floor of rushing production. You know what I mean? Um, And with someone like Trask, someone like Mac Jones, I just don't see
2: that. Got it. Um, So that takes us through the guys I wanted to talk about. I guess to close things out, Matt, if you are a dynasty player, are there any of these names that you're really interested in trying to get? Uh, Perhaps if Lawrence slips into round two, you'd be interested in him beyond him. Any other of these guys that you would potentially be targeting?
1: Yeah, uh, I think Lawrence will probably go higher than he probably should. So that means I will just be off of him. Um, Justin Fields is really the guy I would be looking at. But I mean, I say that I still think he's going to be drafted. Before Zach Wilson, before Trey Lance. So, like, from a value perspective, Lance is the guy that I think I'd probably want the most of, or I will probably get the most of if I'm targeting quarterbacks, um, because he has that running ability. He is, oh, he's so young. Um, and even though he was playing at a lower level of college competition, um, as a passer, he still looked really good. So, I, I think there's even hope that although you are getting him for his rushing production he might be better as a passer than you would expect and if that's the case then I mean he could be like he he could maybe be like what everyone is was hoping Kyler Murray was going to be as a rookie you know like he he has significant upside if his passing ability matches his running ability
2: yeah um I mean, that's basically where I was at, too. To me, it really was Fields and Lance would be the guys. Maybe Lawrence, if something went crazy in one of my drafts, because, you know, it is possible, uh, it does seem like with him, that he could be one of these transcendent passers. Uh, And then, obviously, with Lance and Fields, like you've mentioned, you might be able to get that fantasy output based on the rushing production and the possibility that they're even better passers than one might imagine. Um But the rest of these guys, I really don't see myself targeting. And then beyond the players that we've listed, I haven't seen anybody else yet that has really grabbed my attention. Granted, I haven't um, actively seeked out or like tried to identify any one of these guys as somebody that I might attach myself to. Um, So that could be subject to change. But like at, you know, quick glance, looking through all the metrics, I normally would. Nobody's jumped out yet. Here's, Here's a random question.
1: Um and I'm I'm asking sort of like with a, a point in mind, but like yep. do you okay, I'll I'll try to think about how to phrase this. Oh anyway, okay, so <laughs> I think it's I, I just I butchered all that, but That's I fine. think it's easier to project uh with the quarterbacks going from college to the NFL to project their rushing ability in their rushing production than their passing ability in production. Like you know, I can think that Trevor Lawrence is a really good passer and he might get in the NFL and just totally suck. And, you know, like there might be a situation where I think a guy isn't that good of a passer and he turns out to be really good. Like there's just, it seems like a, a wide range of outcomes for passing. And I think it's it's pretty hard to evaluate quarterbacks in general, passing in particular, but I think it's much easier to project If a guy is a really good runner in college, that he's likely to be a pretty good runner in the NFL, which is why I tend to focus more on the running, because it's something that is a little more certain, a little more projectable. And then it just so happens, I think it's also like the thing that probably matters the most in terms of
2: fantasy, at least. That's really well said. Um, And that makes a bunch of sense. Everything you just said, especially when you think about trying to project what a a quarterback's passing output will be like. There's a bunch of factors that go into that, too. A lot of those outside of their control. Uh, Does he get into a scheme that fits what he's going to be able to do? Is he going to be able to pick up that scheme, understand NFL coverages, different things that defenses will be doing? Does he have the supporting cast? Uh, are the coaches there the right ones for him? Do they know what they're doing? Whereas the rushing, a lot of that, I think, is going to go back to the ability that they have athletically then to be creative, improvise, have some natural instincts. There's, there's just less going on there. So it makes a lot of sense. The interesting thing I think about Matt is – as we see more success about these young passers that are athletic, that are making things happen with their feet, how quickly does the league adjust for this? And we get to a point now where a player like Justin Fields is going to be getting in the conversation and sustaining himself in that conversation at the top of the board, just based upon the rushing ability. Um, I think that's going to be really interesting to see. Um, which maybe that does create a situation where teams are already on this kind of bandwagon and they are going to be going after Fields and Lance pretty early. We will have to see, uh, but I would be shocked, right? Let's, let's take one second here to stop. It would be absolutely shocking if Lawrence doesn't go one overall. Like you said, you've seen that in every mock. You think there's any chance he doesn't?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's always a chance, but I think it has more to do with like if there's something freaky that happens, you know, like he suffers some sort of injury or I don't know, like some like horrible news comes out about him, like whatever it is. I think it would have something to do with like his like off the field stuff or just something random that happens to him instead of like we just analyzed this guy and we decided he's not the number 1 pick or we're going with this other player
2: right all right um mm, if wilson doesn't well out, eh, all right the number 2 pick who has the best uh, like well i'm trying to think of a good way to phrase this question but the mocks i've seen now i'm mainly seeing wilson but who do you think the number 2 pick on the jets is let's just do it like that and if you really don't have a compelling answer to say it.
1: Yeah. Um, I right now I have mocked um Zach Wilson to the Jets. Um, I'm like the sharper mockers who are putting things out at this time of the year, they are leaning more towards Wilson over fields. Yeah. Um I'm looking at the the prop market which isn't exactly like so the the props for number 1 overall pick and those are really the only props that I'm seeing out there they have fields ahead of Wilson um mm-hmm. That's not to say that, you know, if they put out something for the number two pick fields would be ahead of Wilson, but he probably would be. So I'm kind of going against the consensus of the market here, but, you know, whatever I like. I don't care. It's it's so early. But right now, I I do think that Wilson probably has the edge, but that's based just on two things. One what I'm seeing in mock drafts and then to, uh, what I am seeing in, uh, you know, like whatever preliminary, uh, prospect profiles are out there. Uh, I think the NFL will probably prefer someone who's more of a pocket passer. And that's what Wilson is in
2: comparison to fields. Definitely. Um, one name actually that I just remembered that I was going to mention, Um, If people wanted to look into some of these quarterbacks too, that might have more rushing potential, more athletic quarterbacks would be Kellen Mond, the quarterback from Texas A&M played four years, was involved heavily um, in his final three years, did see some work as a freshman Um, career passing yards, 9,578, 71 passing touchdowns to 27 interceptions rushed for 22 touchdowns and over 1600 yards in his career. Um, unless you have any thoughts on uh, Mond, we can probably shut things down.
1: No, Mond's definitely up there, and then I'd say one more guy is also uh, Sam Ainger oh, uh, right. from Texas. Yeah, yep. yeah. He, you know, he had uh, good passing
2: stats and also some good running stats too. Nice. All right. So my plan is that next week we will start talking about running backs and wide receivers in this class. Once we get through talking about the prospects, maybe we will pop back to looking. Um, at just some of the veterans from a redraft dynasty perspective, kind of the way that we did with the 2020 uh, rookie running backs and wide receivers. But I did want to start popping into prospects because before we know it, um, we are going to be looking at pro days, getting even closer to the draft and all that. So I wanted to make sure that everybody at least had somewhat of an idea of what these classes are going to look like. That-
1: Dave, that sound, that sounds interesting, but uh there is the Super Bowl
2: next week. I don't I don't know if you <laughs> Oh my gosh. That. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. We should probably talk about that quickly, huh? Yeah, maybe next week we'll talk about the Super Bowl. Okay, yep. So we should probably <laughs> we should probably talk about that on next week's show. All right. Yeah. You got me there, Matt. All right. I'm really glad that uh I'm really glad that you brought that up all right uh that actually will do it for this for this episode you can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at dave and at matt the oracle thanks to rotoviz for sponsoring the show make sure to rate review and subscribe and as always remember it's not a fantasy if you believe it